Welcome along to episode 11 of Dead's Not Punk. Uh, my name's Ewan Grant. I'm here with Stuart Knight. Hello. Um, we've got, and we've got a couple of things we're going to go through before we introduce our... We're very privileged to have a special guest with us today who played a massive part in influencing both Stuart and I's careers as well as being, you know, a big part of the musical scene that we were involved in. Um, so we will introduce him in a couple of seconds, but I've just got a couple of... Uh, housekeeping bits as we usually do at the beginning to go through uh, a shout out to um, Steve Marlowe, Punk999 Steve on Instagram who was the only person who managed to guess that this week's picture was American band The Germs um, so well done to Steve as I said before in previous episodes we'll be piling these up and one day we might even give a prize away and uh, Des Not Punk has become over the last 10 weeks, something that we begin the episode with. Unfortunately, we're all getting to an age, and the aging process has become something that we're all part of now. And it was very sad to hear the the death of Nora, wife of John Lydon. Um, dementia has played a big part in my life. Lost both my parents to dementia, and I just wanted to give, you know, heartfelt appreciation to what John was trying was doing and has been doing to care for Nora all these years. I'm sure you, you've got something to say on that as well, Stuart. Yeah, I think it's awful when anything like that happens. But, you know, um, we all know the story of, you know, how he was trying to look after her and obviously took in Harry Up's two kids as well. And yeah, despite all of the, you know, the media noise, etc., around a character like him, you know, behind it all, he obviously was a pretty, he's probably, he's obviously a pretty decent guy and spent a, a lot of time you know, caring for his wife. So, yeah, very sad, very sad. But on, back, on that, yeah, on that, uh, just a quick plug. On Friday, I went to an exhibition in London called Beyond the Street. Now, Beyond the Streets, uh, basically, it's the history of musical culture from the early 70s right through to the late 2000s, incorporating everything from um, punk rock to hip-hop to acid house. The flyers, the portraits, the culture, the culture around it, amazing. And one of the, one of the posters that I picked up, having me, sure, you're going to have to carry on a second. Give me a second. All right. Yeah. So I saw some of the posters that you and has said and and um, and and had looked at that exhibition. And uh, there was a, a quite a lot of stuff reaching all the way back to the late 70s, which is a really good opportunity for now for, for us to introduce our very special guest. And thanks for joining us on the podcast, Mr. Steve Ignorant. Um, Hello there. Yeah. Hello. Great, great to have you along, mate. And um, I know we've been uh, trying to sort this out for a little while, but you've been pretty busy. Um, which is good. Um, so I was going to sort of kick off by asking you, you know, obviously, and I'm sure when you're asked to come on to these things, everybody wants to talk to you about Crass and the early years and all the rest of it. But I've actually seen you perform with Slice of Life and with the Steve Ingram band over the last sort of 12 months. I saw well, it was there at all the performances at Rebellion last summer. And I also saw you play some shows at Rockaway um, in Bristol, the Rockaway Park. 
And so I'm, I'm I'm keen to understand what's happening, what you're doing now musically. That's that's for me of of in of interest in the foreground. It, it's it's partly why we set this whole thing up to keep the scene vibrant, to keep what's going on and the people and the personalities that are involved in it as well. Because looking back is great, but we've got to look forward, and there's still so much we can change looking forward and. Uh, it is inspiring that you're still involved and you still want to make a change and a difference in what you're writing about and what you're singing about and what you know what the band's about. So, so what's happening with um, Slice of Life at the moment? I mean, you've you you've still got dates to do, or yeah, we're playing in about uh, two weeks' time. We're playing in uh, Northwich in Cheshire, yeah, and right. uh, then the next day we play in uh, Durham, right? Um, festivals in the summer. Uh, yeah, we're doing Rebellion. And um, really, because the um, the the crass thing, you know, Steve Ignorant yeah. band, uh, are sort of uh, sort of taken over a little bit. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's you know, the slice has sort of been put on a back burner, if you know what I mean, mm. um, for the time right. being. Um, so yeah, it's just um, and plus we we've got the added thing of this, uh, you know, um, some members of the band have got day jobs. Right. Um, so that's why we have to sort of try and work out gigs around weekends and things like that. Right. So they leave and all this sort of stuff. So it's just sort of a bit of juggling here and there. But I, I think once we get this year out of the way and it, the the, um, the Steve Ignorant doing crass stuff will ease off a little bit. Um, yeah. And uh, then I'll, we'll be able to concentrate more on Slice of Life. It's amazing, isn't it, that you've had such a sort of positive response. Well, it's good. Not just amazing that you've had such a positive response to the Steve Ignorant band crass things. I mean, you and I both went to the shows at the Shepherd's Bush Empire in 2007 when you first did it. Um, yeah. Giz and, you know, the band that you put together then. And I remember there was a sort of, you know, amongst the sort of chattering scenesters, there was a should he do it, shouldn't he do it sort of conversation. I mean, I thought we we thought they were brilliant gigs, personally. Blown away, blown away. Blown yeah. away. I, I had a cracking hangover after that second one. But um, but, <laughs> but um, how has that worked out for you in terms of the feedback that you've had? Has it broadly been positive or have people said, you know, you shouldn't be doing the songs? Or Well, it, it's strange because firstly, when I did uh, Hang On 2007, uh, that was the Feeding of 5,000. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Two days. And that I was uh, – in absolute panic mode over that, you know, should I, shouldn't I, yeah. am I destroying the myth of crass and all this? Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, well, that's what myths are there for, to be exploded, isn't it? So, like, no, I'm going to do it. Um, then Penny Rambo said he didn't want me to use any of his songs that he'd written. I was like, fuck. So, um, but anyway, then he came round. Uh, there was a lot of um, um, real hate mail um, yeah. that I got from from that. Um, and... Um, there's still one person I've yet to meet up with, and when we do, that's going to be. <laughs> I don't forget. And um, uh, but looking back, you know, um, I can see that. Looking back now, um, not not sort of dissing anybody or putting anybody down that were in those respective bands that I was in in 2007 and 2011, but I can see how sort of. It was a bit rock and roll, mm. you know, looking back on it, the, the DVDs, and I'm like, mm, some of it makes me toes cringe a little bit, and I'm like, oh, you know, 
But I think what's what saved it is because working with Pete and uh, uh, Pete Wilson and Pete Rowe, Jay Bagnall and Carol Hodge in yeah. this band, um, what they've done somehow, and I don't know how they've done it, but they've just taken those songs and they've just made them new and, and fresh and they've injected something of them as crest fans. Yeah. You know, I don't like the word fan, but, you know, it was crest. Appreciators. Appreciators, yeah. Um, and they've sort of injected something into it. So for me, it's, um, you know, my God, you know, for the first time in how many years, I'm actually enjoying doing crest songs. You know, it's, it's, it's that new, it's that fresh. So I look forward to doing it. Um, and it's almost as though those songs could have been written last month. Well, that's yeah. a really interesting thing to say. I mean, I agree. I mean, that's really interesting to hear you say that because I, when we were, you and I were watching you do that, uh, the Rebellion shows uh, last summer, I mean, Carol does a really great job, isn't she? And, you know, I mean, the rest of the band, obviously, as well. But you're right. It's like it's not like it's done badly, which would be a sort of would could raise some concerns. You know, he's doing these songs. It's done really well. Yeah, the thing is, Stuart, right, you know, when. When we, I mean, this has happened to a lot of bands we've seen of late who re, have reformed or are redoing the songs that were popular back in the, the sort of late 70s, early 80s. The technology wasn't there. The playing skills weren't there at the time. And, you know, these people have got, have honed their craft. The people that you picked in the band, Steve, are obviously good players. And that's no disrespect to anybody back in the day that was in the <laughs> band. But, you know, the songs are enhanced by the sound and technology you can get on a stage today. I think that's a big part of what we're seeing. Mm. Yeah, and I, and I think what with uh you know um the ignorant band as it is now what they've done they've not they've sort of taken it down it's you know they sound like young people who've just picked up guitars for the first time in a, <laughs> in a strange way do you know what i mean yeah, but yeah. they're doing a really good it's but it's 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 fresh it doesn't make me feel here's an example when we were playing um um shepherd's bush in 2011 yeah. Um. I think Carol was singing, or um, Penn and Eve were doing their bit, and I was watching, you know, sort of standing back a bit, and I was, and I thought, do you know what? We're so, it's, this is so brilliant, you know, it's so yeah. perfect, it's so perfect, it's so professional. If I was a, if I was a sixteen-year-old kid walking in, I'd watch this band on the stage. What we're doing now with, with these crafts, and I'd think there's no way in a million years I could ever do that. And it would put me off picking up a guitar, if you know yeah. what I mean. I'd think that yeah. I could never, I could never achieve it. But now with what what they're doing, it it makes me think. Do you know what? This if I walked in to see this band, I'd go. Do you know what? Yeah, I could do that. I think I'll, I'll give that a go. It, it's it's really exciting. It's really so. I I just feel really good about it all round. You know, it's it if it, it feels like we're doing it for the right reasons, whatever they may be. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I guarantee that the minute it becomes, if ever I, I or any of the others feel this ain't working no more, we're flogging a dead horse, it's embarrassing, you know, should we pack it? It's like, yeah, all right, we'll jack it in then. And it's as yeah. simple as that. Yeah, no, I think that's, I appreciate it, the, the sort of honesty in that. I can tell it cutting through. And you're right. I think that those songs have been made accessible when we were watching them, you know, they're just very accessible and, and the relevance of them today. I mean, there was a question I've got pr- written down on my notes here for a little bit later, which was for me, I mean, obviously having been in uh, an appreciator of crass and the, and the aesthetics and the things that come with the band for since, since 1978, um, it's the relevance of the lyrics and the relevance of the, the content is more 
valid valid now than I think it's ever been in what's going on in the world. And one of the things I was going to ask you was that I saw that you did, you know, a gig. There was that gig you did with Slice of Life with Sleaford Mods back in 2015 at uh, I think that it was the Electric Ballroom. And I see very much the spirit and the sentiment of Crass living through kind of bands like Sleaford Mods. I mean, are there bands out there that are contemporary, sort of new bands you think are, you know, that that fit into kind of what Crass was trying to achieve and are moving it into the modern era? Because I like think, what, like, like what you said, you know, who may, or maybe encouraged to pick up a guitar at that yeah. Shepherd's Bush show or whatever, and are out there, and you're going. As wow. Bob Villain and Bob Villain and Benefits and Sleaford Mods wouldn't have been out of wouldn't have been out of the ordinary back on Crass Record. You know, when I, when I listened to Annie Anxiety or Hit Parade, none of those bands would have been out of the ordinary putting a single out on Crass Records. Absolutely, you've just you just said it. You know, you've just yeah. answered the question that there are so many yeah. people, and they could be. You know, I don't know who they are, but I mean, it, there could be opera singers out there. Yeah. Um, you know, look at Bjork, for example. You know, she yeah. if she'd been around at the time. Um, that wouldn't have been. Oh, she, um, well, she did do an album on Crass, didn't she, with KU? Well, abso- absolutely, but yeah. but you know, it, it's so people like you know Amy Winehouse, I, yeah. I think, would not have been out. So I mean, that's the really odd thing about Crass and and the way we used to, to the people we used to, um, you know. Give opportunities Touch. to work with and that. But all it weren't just, you know, one, two, three, four, go. It was yeah, like, yeah. no, let's have different, diverse stuff here because that's, you know, the mean it's the meaning behind it. Um, you know, there's a great new band um out that I don't think they've released anything yet. They're in the process of doing it. Um, but they're called the Hokers and they're from right. uh, they're from Ireland, um, Northern Ireland, and uh, they're great, you know, they're sort of poppy, catchy, but there's something about them. Uh, when I heard them, I mean, this doesn't happen very often, but I was in Dublin and they were playing and I was talking to uh, Pete and uh, Deco from Paranoid Visions. Yeah. Right. And this band were playing and I went, sorry, sorry, lads, hang on, just hang, just wait a minute, I've just got to go and watch this band and there was something that drew me to them. Um, I mean, I know uh, Pete's seeing other people in, in, in the band, you know, in the but And I was like, you know what, well, this is great. And it, it sort of excited me. Um, it made me want to jump up and down, but I can't anymore because it hurts me knees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think we're all on the same boat there. Yeah. yeah, but but then I started listening and I stayed there and watched them, you know, and, and I was yeah. like, so what? Well, this is great. It's got it's got overtones of I don't pigeonhole people, but for me it was overtones of the Who mixed in with the Doors, mixed in with uh, um, you know um, uh, one of the Walker Brothers, you know, yeah. um, all that kind of thing, and it's all and I recognize these all these little references in it and i was like this is brilliant yeah. you know if, if i was going to start a band that's what i'd want to sound like right know, the whole thing, because and I, th- I think what you've touched on there is and what a lot of people won't realize is your your musical taste is so broad <laughs> and, and you, you you've touched on it very much so with the likes of the who and the doors and scott walker and stuff like that yeah, yeah. and and the fact that crass the name came from a David Bowie song. And, you know, a lot of people in punk might not have known that song at that time, but, you know, the, David Bowie played a big influence on you because I believe you're playing some Bowie songs as Slice of Life as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a big influence. You know, I mean, I mean he, for, for me, you know, uh, he was the, 
you know, for, for Penny Rambo, it was the Beatles, you know, they sort of inspired him in his life. But for me, the inspiration was David Bowie. And I'll tell you why, because thanks to David Bowie, it made it possible for for young teenage, you know, teenagers like me, lived on a dodgy council estate in, in Dagnum. You know, it was I was able to wear a bit of makeup and put a bit of dye in my hair and wear a black bangle without being beaten up. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so absolutely that, brilliant, Steve. That is and, that and, is part of where we all grew up from. Yeah, that, and, that and, state. But, and also because of his right, you know, I was like, oh, you know, what, what's what's a? I thought the Queen was, you know, what's a Queen? I didn't know what a Queen was yeah. <laughs> until, until I went to New York, you know, or started yeah. reading books, you know. But but um, it's he said he certainly opened up those areas that you thought were a bit taboo, and when you actually. Experienced them or got involved in them, they were no longer taboo. And well, yeah. yeah, and and also for him to come out and say that he was bisexual, well, you know, that really pissed off my stepdad. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, brilliant, I love David Bowie because he's pissed off my stepdad. So um, just because, yeah, uh, what's this bisexual? What's this? Uh, what's this weird uh, kabuki thing he's doing? It's, you know, it, it's interesting. What is this sort of? Um, at a time it weren't called the gay culture but what is this subterranean world that I know nothing about living in this suburb and I, I really wish that I'd been able to go to some of those clubs and, and see what was going on you know and that's because it was it was alternative I think that's the word I'm looking for yeah well in um, Glasgow in Glasgow and we've spoken about this before in the, the sort of late 79, 80, 81 the clubs that you would hear what you would class as alternative music, which had grown out of punk, right across from Anarcho to, you know, uh, the goth scene to New Wave to <coughs> oh, even a bit of American hip-hop. It was the gay clubs that were playing that. You could only get that type of music on the gay club on a Tuesday night in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, so that opened a lot of that up to me as well. But uh, no, that's really Do you, do you think then that the band artists like Roxy Music, David Bowie, Mark Boland, New York Dolls, I mean, it's it's sort of documented, isn't it, that they were the sort of gateway artists for the emergence of punk. And when it started in, we'll call it 75, 76, when those bands, those year zero bands were kind of coming together, they were all influenced by that clutch of artists because, of course, those artists represented the alternativeness, you know, the alternative side of things, the subterranean side of things, those words that you've used. Yeah, I, I don't think there would have been punk if it hadn't been for those artists. No, I, I'm with you on that because, I mean, the, the difference with them, like Roxy Music, Mark Boland, all of them, and, you know, don't let's forget uh, Velvet Underground. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, Blue, exactly. and they were all sort of, you know, uh, pushing, the, pushing the boundaries, Yeah, you know, in, in some way. And, uh, and that, to me, was far more appealing. That's why I've never liked heavy metal. You know, because, <laughs> because I can't stand that, you know, the cliche of, uh, you know, spinal tap sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, smashed up hotel rooms or, you know, um, oh, you know, just that rock and roll lifestyle and treating people like they're dirt because you're, you happen to play guitar pretty good, you know, and, and oh, you know, um, and it's just the same old, same old. Yeah. Uh, for me, where, whereas things like Roxy music, I mean, I, I could never get on with Brian Ferry's voice. No, you know, right. um, in the same way, I could never get on with um, uh, Bob Dylan's voice. Yeah, you know, um, but I really like what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, you know, his um, early Roxy music records are great, and Brian Eno obviously having a bit of a big influence there. 
But the whole yeah. that scene, that it's not quite glam, was it? It was more arty than that. But I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. So, that, so that was in the mid seventies, and then you jump forward to twenty twenty three, and we've got music that's gone through this sort of whole evolution, and you come out with Bob Villain, Sleaford Mods, you know, benefits the sort of the new the new sort of generation of bands with an e- artist. Even, e- even that, even that band, uh, Bad Breeding. Bad, bad, bad breeding, bad breeding. You're on one little independent Derek Ricketts yeah. label. They are a mm. one, two, three go. They are. Mm. They sound like Flux of Pink Indians to me. You know, mm. they they are going back to that. But I'm I'm interested in what Sleaford Mods are doing and those sorts of artists because they've 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 moving things on. They're taking the sentiment and the messaging and they're moving things on. It's just Sleaford Mods is two guys on a stage. One one of them sits down and doesn't do anything. You know, it's it's brave. It's really yeah. brave. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And they're playing. I mean, what, one of the things that people. Yeah. one of the things that got uh, that got me not to, to notice what you were doing as the end of seventy eight, seventy nine, and punk was punk was ex- not exploding; it was almost dissolving at that point, right? And uh, but one of the things that going into record shops at the time that really interested me was the sloganeering and the artwork. I mean, when you come out with some some of the great slogans that you, you associate with Crass, just made you buy in to the music and buy into that scene as well. And, you know, they were, they're very important, very important in music today is sloganeering. It's what you're actually saying, what your backdrop is. What, what, and you can get a lot of messages across by that that way. And that really influenced me to get into the band. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 strange because I was watching um I was well five, six years ago now, but I was watching the telly and adverts came on, so I flicked through the channels and I there was an old R and B. I was like, Oh, rhythm and blues, excellent, put it on there. Well fuck me, it wasn't the rhythm and blues I was thinking it was. It was all these little girls prancing about in their underwear, you yeah, know, yeah. doing these weird What the fucking hell was this? Is this a soft porn thing or what? What? Um, it's, fun, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I had a, a conversation with a friend of mine in the US. But it's, but it's strange you talking about the slogans that crash. Yeah. Because I always remember one that was about. It was a, a Playtex advert, and it was you know obviously gorgeous women. Um, you know, always gorgeous young slim women licking their lips. Uh, um, you know, proudly shoving off this bra. You know, um, <laughs> to enhance your breasts, girls. You know, so we, you know, I think it was Eve Libertine and and G came up with this thing. Who do who do you think they're falling? You, um, <laughs> and I was just thinking you could stick that slogan on a lot of this. You know, modern what young girls are doing. You know, prancing a bit. You know, is that empowering women? I don't sort of. Sorry, I'm a bloke. No, so I don't, no, no, I'm is it, bloke, it, so it, I don't understand the, it. But it's maybe I'm too old. But it just don't. It don't mean anything to me. It's the exploitation of women in, yes, in music in the music industry, and you know I think that was the comment that you're talking about regarding that playtex. Yeah, it, it's about the exploitation of women, and nothing's changed. That still goes on today. Well, I mean, it's going to take a whole world of change to make that change. You know, in yeah. in, in terms of again, all the all, all the point though, you and about the slogans. I mean, I. I, I I was going to jump in then and say I loved it when Price the album came out and you included the you know series of shock slogans and mindless token tantrums booklet which played mm. back that review I think it was a play yeah. review, enemy review or something 
but the, but the but the but the slogans and the and the and the words you know we've got by the way we've got 10 minutes left 10 minutes, so yeah. that's flown by but um yeah the slogans and the and, and and those sorts of statements that were made you know i remember when the band sort of started with being on tube stations you know stations of the crafts yeah. etc i think yeah. those things have lived on and i've read quite a lot about the artwork that G's done in, in in more recent times. And I think there was a biography about her work that came out just a little while ago, which is excellent, which I read, and how the the influence of that black and white sort of artwork and those sort of simple messaging has influenced other artists. Mike Coles, who famously did the Killing Joke records, is very you can and Winston Smith, of course, in in the US. But I was going to say that how you got those three or four word slogans has been adopted now by modern politics because it's make America great. You know, you know, yeah. this, is what, this is what's been distilled st- down. Stop, st- stop the boats. Yeah. I know. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, lads. It's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really, it's all really. down to you, Steve. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 It's the yeah. power of the power of the slogan is, is always been I there. <laughs> and you guys <laughs> used it so well. I mean, that's... Yeah. But, um, so look, uh-huh. I mean, so what? So so what then? So what next then? So you're doing rebellion. You're going to finish yeah. up these dates. Is them? Are you doing anything else with Paranoid Visions? No, uh, uh, because it we we both decide, both parties decided this stuff we do with the crash songs again. You know, it's taking over, and we've got to stand back. And yeah. Bands. So once these once these gigs are done, I mean, I've been going in and out of studio. Uh, so I'm putting down some very, very rough tracks for Slice of Life songs. Mm. Um, so uh, uh, that's the, you know, that's at the back of my head. Uh, what sort of direct? What sort of direction is that going in? I mean, what can you? What is influencing Slice of Life? You know, musically. Well, I'm, I'm definitely talking about. Uh, um, I'm going to be talking about not in a depressing way, but you know, our mortality. Yeah, uh, and, right. and the fact that I've lived longer than I'm going to. Sometimes has affect me, yeah. um, as it does other people, and the fact that this this poor old body of mine isn't as sort of working as well as it used to, that kind of thing. Um, but also, I'm really experimenting in, you know, what sort of music did did I always like? Well, it's Burt Bacharach, you know, those sweeping strings and and brass, you know. So I've been sort of fiddling about on keyboards with. <laughs> with that so can't, I've got, can't can't wait to hear that That'd be interesting. well yeah. i've got i've got this idea of like i i, I think myself that well, i shouldn't do it you know because i think no, it's got to be political and i've got to be sick like hang on i'm 65 bloody years old and i can't i can't do what music i want to mm. steve just do it and if yeah. nobody likes it just do it for yourself so i'm going to do it anyway and i'm going to call it uh, the next album is going to be called uh, music for my pleasure instead of music nice. for pleasure. Pleasure. and it's going to be the I'm hoping it's going to be the cheesiest <laughs> sort of Burt Bacharachy. Is there going to be some West Side uh, Story in there, Steve? Because I know you're a big you, fan. You know it. It's all. It's all going to be in there. Um, it, this is going to be the grand bloody boss it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking great. Well, you know, I look, we really look forward to that. But uh, we are sort of running a little bit low on time here. So... I, I, I have one question. I have yeah, one right. question because because obviously growing up with what you were doing and then still being involved in music all these years later. When you split in 84, right, and uh, obviously 86, 87, yeah. the rave scene happened and the free party scene. How, how Did you get involved in any of that? 
No, the only bit I got involved was that I was uh, helped uh, Colin do security down at uh, the race he used to put on down in um, South London. Colin Jerby. But yeah, yeah Colin Jerby. Yeah. What was what was his what was his club mates called again? Uh, I can't, Joe. I can't remember. Yeah, but, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. And we'll put it yeah. on the bio. Maybe yeah. one of our listeners can email us in and tell us who was what was Colin Jerwood's rave nights called, and uh, uh, that'll be interesting to hear. If anybody, uh, it was probably called Drink Till Ten, Fight Till Eleven. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw him interviewed actually because they released that big conflict sort of whole box set thing, and he talked about being into the rave scene. So, um, but did that largely kind of miss you, pass you by? Yeah, right. because at that point, yeah, because at that point, uh, believe it or not, I was even way back then. I was thinking of doing something like Slice of Life, right? But I, but of course, then at that time, I didn't have the contacts. I didn't know anybody. You know, um, I mean, Christ, uh, Pete and Pete and Carol and Jay must have still be at school. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> junior, yeah. junior school, you know. Yeah. So, uh, um, but I, so I didn't know where to go with it. So it's, it's taken all this time uh, to be able to come up with something like Slice, you know, which I'm really happy with. Yeah, you did that's, some other that's the beauty of music. I enjoyed the things you did, though. You did Stratford Mercenaries and the Schwarzenegger mm. and those other things. I mean, it was all transition for everybody, wasn't it? Back in those days, I remember it being there was a lot of different things going on, and I remember coming out of the that sort of scene so to speak and feeling a little bit like I didn't really know where to hang my hat you know it was yeah. it was a strange time and of course the world was changing wasn't it we had the ball Berlin Wall came down and you know it was all it was crazy stuff happening it was it was it was interesting time so I think you've, yeah. you've ended up in a great place and you're making mm. music and you seem to, you seem pretty happy with it which is which has got to be worth something <laughs> there, was a, there, was, there was something I, I read a few months ago and it's interesting when you mentioned people that you would have put on crash recordings earlier, like Amy Amy Winehouse, you know, yeah. people like that. But in that dance scene and the electric music scene, there's people in Moby who are so influenced by Crass. Moby, yeah. you know, for what he and what he does yeah. now, it, it is the epitome of everything yeah. that you were doing and doing at the time, and it's taking that onto his his vegan farm and all of that and what he does. You know, and I just wonder. I, I honestly thought there might have been some electronic dance music thing, you know, in an acid house, just with the, the whole free party scene. But obviously, there's not. So. Oh, uh, before we go, I mean, there's uh, there's another person I think people should look out for. She's called Sunny War. Um, she's an American girl from Nashville, and she does uh, like um, sort of folk stuff, um, but right. with a crash with a crash influence. So definitely check her out, everybody. Yeah. Okay, well, I've made a note of the two artists that you've mentioned, and we will be sort of following up with some additional information, and we'll make sure that we get those. I mean, we do do a playlist as well, so we'll try and find some music and get that. Brilliant. But I'm going to yeah. have to sort of play us out now, because otherwise our, okay. our, our little recording thing. So well, look, it's absolutely look, it's, look, it's been really, really fun doing this. I really enjoyed it, lads. Thank yeah. you. We, thank we you so really appreciate it. And uh, say thanks to Jonah for us for uh, yeah. for, for helping organise this. And we'll probably see you. Well, we're down at Rebellion in the summer because we'll be doing the podcast from there. So okay. we'll speak to James Sherry, who does the um, the PR, and we'll see if we can hook something up to, to talk okay. to Okay. All right. I'll see you at the bar and the first beers are on you. Uh, no. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Our pleasure. Right, I'm going to play Hello. out. And I really want to play out with um, uh, Don't Turn Away, which is uh, my favourite Slice of Life track. So... I'm going to play this out and uh, yeah, thanks again. Many thanks, Steve. Cheers.
Shit like that. Symbols to prove you 